Welcome back to the show. Vic Nazar, Randy Janda, Hour 3 of the show. Listening live, we appreciate you making us part of your long weekend. Listen on the pod, thanks for spending some time with us on your long weekend. Ben Bassman running the show, Josh Elliott-Wolf as well, 650-650. If you want to chime in and be part of the People Show, we got Confession Fridays on the way. Don't at me as well, so you can get those submissions in, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Vernon Adams will join us in just a second, new BC Lions quarterback. And it's a great move because it keeps that hype machine going for the BC Lions. We've done so good this year getting back into the hierarchy of the CFL, up top near the CFL. And it just keeps the buzz going. And here comes a veteran in the league who's played, put up some stats, got some W's, and plays – a very entertaining brand of the game. And I think this will be, this will fit perfectly in. You want to create some more spark for the team. And it kind of reinvigorates these title hopes that started to slowly build throughout the course of the season. And now you get to inject a star player at the pivot position. And to your point, somebody that has put up numbers in this league, right? We're a couple of years removed of Vernon Adams throwing for 24 touchdowns. It was at a 2-1 to one touchdown to interception ratio, which is something that this team needs right now. They got playmakers. They got guys that can catch the ball four or five deep in the receiving group. And you add a player that can get the ball downfield and can use his own feet to create plays. Exactly what they need. They don't need somebody who is, you know, with all due respect, you, you want somebody who can take those risks because that's where you're going to get the ball to those, those playmakers. So I think great move. Looking forward to chatting with him in a couple of minutes here as well, where just the move for him. You know, Montreal, mm-hmm. obviously their season's going a certain way, but now coming to BC, having that opportunity to take control of this job while Nathan Rourke is dealing with that injury, it must be a very exciting opportunity for him as well. And we talked to Donovan Bennett yesterday on the show. You can go back and listen to that pod. This isn't a situation where it's a hapless scenario and the roster's falling apart and you're, you're coming in to revive everything, right? There are some stars here, and even last game versus Saskatchewan, the the, the the quarterback had some issues, obviously. The, the quarterback played some issues, but the rest of the team rallying, trying to keep it close as much as they could, defense trying to play the part, another big play touchdown, kind of blew it open, but you y- did a good job to keep it close despite some struggles at the very important position at quarterback. So there is stability everywhere right now across the roster. If you can figure this part out, and look, it's a CFL. You're going to need two QBs anyways. Nathan Rourke comes back at some point in this year, even down the road. Vernon Adams is here in the here and now. But you can push this team to the heights that we saw earlier in the season because there is talent all along the roster. And credit to the front office as well for recognizing the moment. This is a team that does have that talent, defensive line, wide receiver group, offensive line. You got to seize the moment. You got to maximize the moment. And... This city, this province is ready to get behind the team. Just continue what you did. And without your star player, Nathan Rourke, obviously it's not something that's going to be easy. But this is a unique moment for the BC Lions. This is the, and I know people will say, hey, yeah, don't compare the CFL and the NFL. But Vic, would it be fair to say this is the least anticipated Seahawks season in a very, very long time? Oh, yeah. Like, well over a decade. So there is a bit of a void there to say, hey, local, there's a local team that's making noise. 
And for those bandwagon Seahawks fans that may not be as engaged, there's another football team. Mm-hmm. There's another football team that is making noise locally. So I think this is a very unique moment because this is the most, you know, the least anticipated Seahawks season in in a decade, over a decade. Uh, that, those are facts. And win locally here, yep. right? And and that's going to be a big thing. And but it goes to the the, the conversation we've had uh, with the new ownership group who have tried to put the right foot forward constantly and create a buzz. And the thing that I said from week one, now you have to maintain the buzz. And that's a difficult thing to do. Don't get me wrong. Like it, It's tough to constantly stay in the picture. And maybe it dissipated there for a little bit because of the injury. This is how you create that. And this is the investment that is required when you have a roster that is competing, that is regenerating the interest in the lower mainland and you know across the province, of course, but for people that can travel to the games, reigniting that and... It took a little bit of a blip and said, oh, well, Rourke's down. What happens yeah, here? It was a now? gut punch. Let's call it that, it right? It was a big one, yeah. especially in the first couple of steps. It'd be different if it was like, hey, year three of this being a successful program and people are jumping on board. And even with an injury, people would be like, oh, don't worry about it. Like, we've seen success here. Right when you're in the infancy of growing this out, as you said, it's a gut punch. How do you recover from that? How do you maneuver in the right direction? And you did it, A, because you maintain the interest, but also because you have a competitive roster. And it's the right type of mentality you want to see from this ownership group. And we'll connect with Vernon Adams here in just a second. But I'm excited to see what this looks like now moving forward. Obviously, they'll play the Alouettes here uh, on the 9th. And that's the added intrigue here. He gets to play his former team right away after a bye week, where one week from today, they got Montreal, and you can prove, hey, he was out with injury before the trade. Now he's fully healthy. But that must be... That must be nice to kind of to get back right into it and say, all right, beating your former team is always nice. It's going to be a while till uh, in person uh, you get to see Vernon Adams play at BC Place. It won't be till the uh, 24th versus Calgary, but you'll have plenty of chances here, uh, three more chances before the season is out, and hopefully there's a home playoff game to go along with it. But look, the, the, the way the standings are shaken out, I think at this point, again, with qualified quarterback play, quality quarterback play, home playoff game at this stage uh, would be awesome. Yes. And now with a quarterback that can fill that void, it's realistic again. A couple of weeks ago when that injury happened, you were really doubting it. Even coming off a loss against Saskatchewan, I think BC Lions mm-hmm. fans have a reason to be very optimistic. And, and there's two games with the Bombers still to go. Who are still 10-1, and one, Yeah, I should mention. No, it's a fantastic season. Class of the league. But, again, for me, the Lions are sitting at number two. If we, if we did the CFL power ranks, Lions, number two. And, and there's a real chance here the rest of the season. Six and two? Yeah. Like, six wins, to yeah. me, is playing this out. Like, probably the bare minimum. Maybe you slip up once and you maybe get a W versus the Bombers. But there's a chance here. Six and two the rest of the way. Pretty nice uh, end of the season. We'll see what the conditions for the October 28th game against Winnipeg is because final game of the year, you yeah. don't know. Maybe maybe you've booked your ticket. Maybe Winnipeg's booked their ticket. You treat that one as a, hey, maybe you're, you rest some starters, potentially, depending on what the league situation is. October 15th at BC Play Stadium. Things will probably still be up in the air at that point. You've got that at home against the Bombers who are, as of right now, the class of the league. And if BC continues to do their job, that could be a marquee matchup. It, like, on paper, it will be because there should be things that are still up for grabs. Maybe the West is up for grabs. We don't know. Maybe there's 
you know, more competition with Calgary for that second spot. That game to me, the 15th one especially, you're playing a big boy team, the best in the league, but you're probably playing for something. That's the one I'm circling. Dave in Chilliwack is Adams this decade's version of Casey Printers. I guess that's the hope, right? That's the hope. Now that was... It's a wild time, man. That was sparks flying like it was the name in the city. Yeah, It was really, really enjoyable. Now that's the high-end version of it. I think a lot of people would just be like, hey, get to the playoffs, make this exciting, and it would be fantastic. Uh, but let's talk to him right now, Vernon Adams Jr., at Big Play, Play VA on Twitter. Vernon, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you. How you doing? Uh, we're doing fantastic. I guess uh, welcome back to the West Coast. You must love uh, playing on the West, uh, Eastern Washington, Oregon, uh, from California. Now here you go. You get to, to finish off the coast here in BC finally. Yes, sir. It's, I said it yesterday. It's kind of like coming full circle. You know what I'm saying? I started off with on the BC necklace, and now, you know, I'm back here and uh, just excited to get back and, you know, help this team however I can. And you're also joining a, a very good team at that. If you look at the standings, uh, we all seen what this team can do. Just joining this team at this point, uh, you know, how, how excited are you? I'm super excited. You know, the, the, the team is great, man. Obviously, everyone's been watching all year. And, man, I, I just I feel, I feel for Nathan, man. He's been having a spectacular year, you know what I'm saying? And I told him, man, I'm just going to come in here and, and do my best to hold it down until he gets back. And he led it to the Great Cup, you know what I'm saying? So it's just an exciting uh, new journey and just ready to get to work. You've managed to uh, connect with Nathan. What was that whole conversation like? Yeah, just he sent me a text just welcoming to the team. And um, I just told him I appreciate it. And I told him, I'm sorry, I'm coming on these terms and everything. And I just told him, hey, let's get this thing done together. And uh, I'm here for him, whatever he needs. You've been in this league for a while now, and you know, for me in the CFL, like two QBs is huge because it does happen. There's there's so many passes. QBs are going to get dinged up. They're going to get hit, and it's important to have a a, a two QB uh, group. And so that that relationship, how important is it to start develop that? And, and what does it mean to to hear from him right away? Yeah, it meant, it meant a lot. You know that he reached out. You know, we we talked a little bit um, over the off season, and um, but yeah, like you said, man, having a two QB system, uh, not saying. Each QB needs to play every every game, you yeah. know, him and I or, or whatever the case may be. But, you know, having that uh, a veteran backup, and it, it really helps, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to work out. All right, as a quarterback, when you look at this receiving group with Dominique Rimes, Lucky Whitehead, Brian Burnham, among others, like there's some real depth here. Uh, are you excited to be looking at this group as your receiving court? Man, so excited, man. All these, you know what these guys got, man. We've been watching them, the speed Lucky has, the, the year Ryan's been having, and, and Burnham is Burnham. Even Katoy, man, that, that dude, he's a beast, man. So uh, I'm just excited, man, to just to just get this thing going. I'm studying the plays right now, and, um, yeah, just trying to get it going. Do you have a relationship with any, with any of these guys from before? Um, not, I, I know James Butler. We trained a little bit together, and um, – you know, uh, love the other receivers, not so much. Pip, I worked with Pip, uh, you know, when we were in Montreal together. So uh, that's about it. Now, don't worry. The other guys on defense, too. So, yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. That connection is coming. I know Lions fans are excited about that. You're listening to The People Show. We're joined by Vernon Adams, Jr., BC Lions quarterback. And interesting how the schedule works out here, Vernon. Your first game in a Lions <laughs> uniform against Montreal. How do you feel about that? Man, that that is crazy. It's funny though because when I I left Eastern Washington to go to Oregon, the first game we played was against Eastern Washington. <laughs> so um, it's just crazy how this all goes down. But you know, I'm, I'm just gonna get in here, like I said, trying to learn these plays, trying to get everything going, and 
uh, hopefully we can get it all going as soon as possible. Bye week. You're supposed to like chill out. Here you are traveling. You got to learn a whole new playbook and everything. That's a stressful bye week, man. Oh man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But Hey, it's part of the business and, uh, let's just get to work. Right. Okay. So finding that chemistry with receivers, you don't have, you know, a, a connection with a lot of these guys. Like what's the most difficult part of, of just finding that rhythm with new teammates? Uh, you know, is it, is it timing or is there, is there other elements? I think it's timing. That's the biggest thing. I think the biggest thing in pro sports on offense is timing. You know, uh, everybody has to be on the same page. And um, I got to know how these guys run their routes and how they like to run their comebacks and their digs and everything like that. But I don't think, you know, I've been playing football a long time. I don't think it should take too long um, and get, get a little extra work out after practice. And, um, yeah, just have fun. Uh, we got to ask you, uh, the, the, the elbow, um, all good and, and, and feeling better? Yeah, it's just been a lot better, man. Uh, you know, I was throwing a lot earlier in the week. Uh, it's good to go. All right. Uh, okay, we were talking about chemistry and connection. So when you're at Eastern Washington, uh, you had a pretty decent wide receiver in your uh, in your receiving group there. His name's Cooper Cup, uh, Super Bowl champion. Uh, NFL's kicking off this week as well. So I'm sure you're going to be prepping for that game on Friday, but also at the same time, maybe watching some football on Thursday. You still still keep a connection with Cooper? Yeah, you know, we talk uh, here and there, you know what I'm saying? He's a busy dude, man, NFL MVP, Super Bowl MVP, man, you know, doing his thing. But, man, I'm, I'm just so proud of him because he deserves everything that comes to him, man. He works for it. He's a great guy, man, um, humble, uh, God-fearing man, great husband. So, um, yeah, he deserves everything. I imagine you'll be watching Oregon and Georgia tomorrow as well. Uh, man, national champions oh, yeah. who uh, started out the season. That's a tough one. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I'm excited to see that. You know, uh, Dan Lanning, he came from uh, Georgia. So uh, that's going to be a good one. A good one to see. Good matchup. Hey, uh, Vernon, we really appreciate it. Uh, excited to see you. Enjoy the uh, the bye week and uh, the, the travels as well. Uh, we'll see you on the field soon. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me, man. God bless. Absolutely. It's Vernon Adams Jr., BC Lions quarterback, uh, joining us here on The People's Show. He's ready to go. There's a lot of excitement in that voice. For sure. And on a couple of fronts there, joining a winning organization right now, going to a team that has four or five receivers that can make plays, exciting for any quarterback, and just in general. You mentioned in the first question, West Coast guy. Mm-hmm. You know, he went to school out here. He's from California. He lives in Tacoma, if I'm not mistaken, as well in the offseason. So just being somewhere, A, you're wanted, you're needed, but just being on the West Coast, probably closer to family, just a, just a better situation for everything, which is exactly what you want at this point in his career. He's a vet, and he's going to be asked to deliver. And also I think that mentality that he kind of mentioned, too, just understanding what the task at hand is. Come in, and you mentioned, hey, I've been corresponding with uh, Nathan Rourke, I'm here to hold down the fort until you can make it back, hopefully, this year. But either way, like, this is a tandem. We got to work together on this. And coming in and, hey, this is what I got to do for to, to, to support this team right now. There, there's an immediate task at hand because this team has got a bunch of wins on the board already. And how do we get to where this we think this team can go? And how can I play my role in that? And I, I think that was really encouraging to hear as well. For sure. And just, hey, man. You're talking about what I really liked about that interview and that chat with him. Not really of an interview. It was more of a chat. Just super positive, Mm -hmm. super excited to get going. I I think you can tell immediately why, A, teammates respond to him really well. Yep. And when when you're in the stands watching this guy who's, you know, put up some some very 
energetic comebacks, and you can hear that energy in his voice. Like the 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 play translates to who he is. It, it looks very authentic, and you can just hear the energy of his voice. Obviously, like you just get traded to a new exciting spot. There's going to be some natural energy to that, but I think you can see how his personality translates and manifests into his play on the field. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about a guy saying, oh, playing his first team, he's going to be rattled. No, he's done it before. When he went to oh, Oregon, look, he's got that. No worries there. Never was gonna, a worry. There's not going to be a lot of spotlights and lights that distract Vernon Adams, I would say. No. And certain personalities, hey, bring him on. Welcome him. Uh, definitely from that conversation, we can tell he's ready. Still keeps in touch with Cooper Cup as well. Had a, a dynamic connection back at Eastern Washington. Big W. For uh, Cooper Cup, Super Bowl MVP and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Again, Lions bye week right now, but uh, get going next week versus those Alouettes. That's, man, the symmetry in that of transferring from Eastern Washington to Oregon and playing Eastern Washington right away and then getting a trade here. First game is against the Alouettes. You mentioned, yeah, a lot of symmetry there in his career. Hopefully, because uh, I think he put up a bunch of touchdowns in that Eastern Washington game. Too, that Oregon versus Eastern Washington game. So maybe it, it translates. Maybe history repeats itself, Randeep. Maybe we're living in a simulation as well. Potentially. Potentially. <laughs> Did that get too dark too fast? Uh, a little bit. Uh, I'm just saying the same thing just keeps repeating itself. Inception here. Football version. <laughs> Tenet. I watched Tenet uh, on my, uh, okay, on how my was holidays. It? I haven't watched it. I didn't get it. Still. Like, yeah. I got it, but it was way too long for any sort of payoff. And it kind of ruined the movie. That's mm. it. I, I've heard that. I, I spent so much time in the movie being confused. And then when it kind of crystallized for me, I was like, oh, okay. Like, whatever. That's it? You want the payoff to be almost immediate so you can feel satisfied. Like, I want movies that I think about. No, Don't I, get me either, wrong. Either a great payoff or make it make sense way earlier in the movie. Sure. And they didn't do either of those things. Okay. I've said this before. Feel the dreams. Do you yes. like Field of Dreams? You hate Field of Dreams. I, I like it for what it is. Okay. Anybody that is looking for a great film, you're overthinking Field it. Field of Dreams is a remarkably average movie. It's basic. It's very basic. Yeah. However, it has such an elite ending. Yeah. The payoff is amazing. The, it evokes a, you know emotion. It touches yeah. you. The yeah. ending. The ending touches you. So it's worth watching every single time, despite... Everything leading up to it being average. The other one I would probably put in that, you know, I think it's a much better movie, but The Usual Suspects. No spoilers for who has, if you've watched it, you, sh- you should watch it by you now. You should have watched it by now. One, one of my but, favorite party moments I've ever been is someone's saying, well, I haven't watched that movie, and they blurt out the ending, and it's like, fantastic. But I, you, it kills if me. you haven't watched it, that's on you. Yeah. But that one, immediate payoff. You're shell-shocked. Huge payoff. Huge yes. payoff. And it, whatever you think of the movie, and I know some people are like, oh, it's so slow, blah, 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 until the moment, until the ending. But when it's, again, a, a movie that is worth it because the payoff at the end is worth Just elite. Tenet? Man, there was no payoff. All right, I'm not watching it. It was, looked cool. Some cool elements for, for filmmaking buffs. But for me, it's a bad movie. And oh, I, I, okay. lo- I love Chris Nolan movies. You didn't, you didn't plan it this way, but I'm taking it there. Like a good movie, a good bet should have a payoff. Mm-hmm. And our Arsenal-Manchester United bet, the jersey's the payoff. Yeah. But also, in the Fantasy Football League, if we make it to the final, you should still have to wear the bet loss. I, I'm probably going to have to concede on this one, because I got roasted in the inbox. We actually forgot to bring this back up. Yeah, the, the, uh, the, I'm bringing the, the it people, up now. Yeah, no, the people came, came after me. It was uniform. 
of people saying, like, come on. Follow through all the way. We got a couple. Marcus and Gibson saying, Bick already thinking finals. One week at a time, Bick. Yeah, I'm thinking finals. What? Play I, to win, man. Another one. You you play to win the game. Another one. Bick, if you lose the bet, wear it. You got to wear it via the name. Another one. Snoop the dog. Weak. What, are you going to read them all? There was a lot. You don't have to read them all. One more. Weak. Can't put a condition on that bet. Also, what are the odds that Bick even makes the playoffs, let alone the finals? I kind of agree. I don't think you can just bow out. For the last, are, are we going to have a trophy for this thing? Like, I, I th- that was what I was worried you about. Get a prize. That, like, twenty twenty two on the mantle or on the trophy baits. It's like Dick Nazar, the Gunners. I'm be like, oh my god, that is the worst. I would honestly bury it. We don't have a trophy sponsor, so as of right now, there is no trophy. However, yeah, if you'd like to get in touch with us, trophy sponsors, get in touch. Could have been six fifty six. Way to get into the league. Like that. That was what my fear was. Yeah, I'm picturing me winning the league. Positive. Visual reinforcement. That's what we got to do. We're going to draft a championship roster. I also think, but we're now, we agree. You can't change the name. I'll do, the people roast the people me. have spoken. If there was like one tech supporting me on that, I would have been like, hey, look, like some people. No evidence. It was, it was literally 100% Crickets. to zero. All so right. I, I will follow through. And, and there's say, no guarantee you're going to lose. I'm no. pretty optimistic you're going to lose, but there's no guarantee. What the match this weekend? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I'm 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 starting to develop the uh, anxiety. No, I, like the the confidence now in the match okay. all over again. Okay, if there's I one reason like, to be yeah. optimistic, it's because of Arsenal's midfield, not looking great. However, bro, we're we're rolling out Scott McTominay three matches in a row here, right? Calm down a little bit. Okay? We got Granit Xhaka, and I don't know who. All right? Yeah, I although can... I think Casemiro will play because he he came on kind of calmed down the waters last match. I think Ronaldo will start. Because Rashford up front hasn't necessarily worked, so I think you're you're, you're going to get the true best punch from Man United, which okay. is really exciting. Ready for it? I think I think it'll be Casemiro and Eriksen in the middle. We're ready, Gabriel Jesus. Yeah, we'll, it's going to be ready. We'll, we'll break down that match a little bit moving forward here. Uh, but on the other side, it's time confession Fridays. It's, I think our favorite segment now. Yes. We look forward to Fridays. I used to get nervous about it, especially when it was first introduced to me. And I think my three weeks away, come back, and I was like, oh, I get to do Confession Fridays again. I'm pumped up. Key thing you said there, three weeks away. You've got to have a confession or two ready. I'll share my confession because I think it's going to be similar to yours. You said you, you wanted to get something off your chest. Yep. And then you kind of hinted at the story. And I was like, oh, I have something similar. Okay. And I'll, I'll break. We'll go into the breakdown of like how we pulled these things off. All right. Uh, All but right. we also got the F1 preview. And there's been some drama in F1 as well, Randeep. That's right. You know that crazy off-season, but in the middle of the mm-hmm. the season like F1 has? It continued today. There's a race coming up, the Dutch GP this weekend, but drivers changing teams? We're going to talk about that because it's getting real now. It's getting real. We'll do the F1 preview coming up at 3 o'clock as well. Confession Friday next, home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. The ending touches you. You just love the, uh, love the white stuff. And Randy Janda. One hour to go in the People's Show. Vic Nazar, Randy Janda. It's Hour of the People Show, brought to you by Douglas Lake Equipment. Get the quality turf 
construction, and ag equipment you need while staying under your salary cap at the closest Kubota dealer to the lower mainland, DouglasLakeEquipment.com. On the way, we will get to Confession Fridays. But first, uh, let's do our F1 preview here, Randy. If you can get your submissions in for Confession Fridays, 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. So the drama that is going down in F1 right now. Yeah, there's a race going on this weekend, the Dutch GP at Zandvoort, which is the home race for one Max Verstappen. But honestly, nobody really cares about that right now. At this moment. Wait, nobody cares about the race? No, they do, but there's so much other drama that's going on in F1 that... And and the big point is there was a ruling today that... You remember McLaren and Alpine were kind of fighting over Oscar Piastri, who's the next racer to come into F1. McLaren had the rights to him. He was one of their drivers. Or sorry, Alpine did. And McLaren just jumped in there, signed an agreement with him. And Piastri said, I'm not going back to Alpine. There was this kind of tug-of-war of... Whose driver is he? Well, today it confirmed that the contract he signed with McLaren is legit. Alpine is done with Piastri. It's confirmed. So le- next year, Lando Norris and Piastri will be the drivers for McLaren. Daniel Ricciardo is basically bought out. He's going to be on a different team. But he's still racing the rest of the year? The rest of the year he's with McLaren, though. So this is for next year. So it's wild. Man, they don't have any, uh, like... It- it's the Wild West. What happens if he, like, crashes the car or something like that? Oh, that, that happens. You, you, he still wants to drive an F1 next year is the point. So you, you want to be the best you possibly can. So Pushed me out before the season's over? That's They did him dirty. Trusting the guy? Who, he, he got paid out, though. Multi-million dollar vehicle he's driving? They just trust him? He's driving for his career. But what's really interesting... Saying and, they buy me out here. I, I'm not allowed on the air the next day. You're not. But this is different. Trusting F, this guy? F1 is different. <laughs> but the reason he wants to drive well is Alpine has one seat available now. Because... Oh. During your vacation, Fernando Alonso said, I'm out. He's going to Aston Martin. So Alpine doesn't have Piastri, and they don't have Alonso. They need somebody next to Esteban Ocon. Three drivers probably in the mix for this. One, Daniel Ricciardo. Two, Mick Schumacher, who might be bumped out by Haas, Michael Schumacher's kid. And third, Pierre Gasly, who is French, currently with AlphaTauri, but... A full French lineup for a French team makes a lot of sense. Very good driver as well. So there's all this drama that is going on as they prepare for the race. So F1, the race matters, but it's musical chairs about who will be driving where next year. The big dogs have their teams. Red Bull, we know who's driving. Ferrari, we know who's driving. Mercedes. After that, it gets a little interesting. So is there like trades in F1? Is that a thing? No. Or is it just like... All free agency. All free agency. It's all free agency. Oh, okay. Usually the average length in free or in F1 contracts is about two years. Mm-hmm. They usually go in two-year cycles, yeah. unless you get bought out like Ricardo. So for Ricardo, if he doesn't find a landing spot, what? Do you just like backpack through Europe for a year? Or I guess for them, it'd be like backpack through North America. He could go NASCAR. He could go Indy. He could go, yeah. like, yeah. you know, we've yeah. seen other. So Kimi Raikkonen. But won- he, he like deserves to be in F1. He does. He won a race last year. Yeah. He won at Monza, which... He's a race winner. There's not many guys that win. So, Ricardo is marketable. In the States, they love him. One of the, the stars of Drive to Survive. I think he'll find a seat. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He's really popular in the States. So, I think if... It like it depends on if Schumacher goes to Alpine. I think he's definitely got a spot with Haas because they're American. Yep. Or IndyCar is, like, American. So, he would just go there. Yeah, Haas makes a lot of sense. They can't necessarily pay him that much. 
they got the the smaller budgets compared to some of the other teams. But if I am Daniel Ricardo, and you're probably you got paid out anyways, you're making bank from McLaren already. Don't you take a little bit less to go to Haas and be the guy or the the face of American racing? Like I think it would make a lot of sense because he already got paid out by McLaren. But also, you're not going to win races with Haas unless they get uh, and like stay in the show though. Yeah, you stay in the show if that's your only option. But if I was him and I had a semi choice, yeah, and Alpine gave me an offer, I would choose Alpine. Okay, apparently Ocon and Gasly don't have a good relationship. Going back to their go karting days as kids, like they have, they're not on good terms. I don't care about that. If you have a chance of any of those three drivers, you're going Pierre Gasly. He's the best driver of the bunch. He is. And he doesn't really have a future in Red Bull, which is AlphaTauri is just a Red Bull yeah, your team. He got his chance with Red Bull a couple of years ago, and he failed. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't. But he's still a damn good driver. And if you're a French team, you're going to go with the guy that's most marketable in your country. Right. Pierre Gasly is that guy, alongside Esteban Ocon. All right. So drama there. In regards to the race itself, the Dutch GP, interesting things from practice today. Ferrari won two, which is great. Let's see it in qualifying. Let's see in the race. Mercedes third and fifth. Lando Norris came in fourth from McLaren. And this track suits Mercedes a lot better than the Belgian GP did. Just based on downforce with the car. It just hits the track better at the Dutch GP than the Belgian GP. Red Bull, Verstappen's car broke down. Finished eighth in practice. Sergio Perez in 12th. So not great. But before his car broke down in first practice today, Verstappen had the fastest lap going. So people can say he had a bad practice. I guarantee you, tomorrow in qualifying, he's in the mix. You you can never sleep on this Red Bull car. They have a little bit of room for error. They got a 98-point lead. He does on Leclerc when it comes to the championship race. But you don't sleep on Max Verstappen. That's how good he is. So he won this uh, track before? Because he won it last year. His home race, right? Yeah, he won it last year. So so it's a big deal uh, for him to win this one? Exactly. This race, the Belgian GP and the Austria race, which is Red Bull's home race, he wins pretty consistently in mm-hmm. those. All right. So that's uh, this weekend. Keep an eye on that on top of Man United Arsenal. Getting ready for going uh, on? Dutch GP this weekend. All right. Do it every Friday. You guys have made it quite the thing. All started from a mistake text, but it's blown up to our favorite segment. It's Confession Fridays. Join the movement that is Confession Friday. I know you hate me. I know I hurt you, but there's more. Listen. People in the butts. He should have been playing in the minors. Sports. Some weird things going down the toilet. That's CD music. It's back. I've been missing it for a month, but I feel it back in my soul. That music, A, gets you ready for Confession Friday, but it also gets you grimy. Like, it gets you in the mood for a grimy Friday night, too. Absolutely. Like some dingy dive bar somewhere. All right, let's start with yours here, because you said you you wanted to get something off your chest from back in high school. Yes, so I don't know if all schools had this, but I remember Killarney back in the day used to have the fitness test, right? And The beep test? I don't know if we had a beep test, but we had, used to have these fitness tests like once every term mm-hmm. where you'd essentially, you try to hit that standard. And one of those activities that you had to do was a six-lap test. You ever had to do those where you run six laps around the track and they time it? I think we had a 12-minute same thing run, yeah. So it was, it was essentially you had to get six laps under 12 minutes. Yeah. My confession is, 
this was the honor system. I'd always run five laps and get like 11 something. I always shorted the fitness test by one lap every single time. Why? Just because I wanted to make the cut. I'm confessing I used to cheat the system back in high school with the six lap test. So you cheated on the fitness test? I did. So how many do you I, think I, you I jog, Like I jog now. I'm, you know, yeah. okay. I've done the sun run and all that. Like I, I'm actually in better shape now than I was back then. I was, uh, I was rotund in certain points in my life. That boy is thick. <laughs> that was an actual description during my PE class back in the day as I was doing the six lap test. So how many do you think you managed to crush? And so I would get above 12 is my point. So like right. probably like 13, right. like closer to 14 minutes. So you said 11.50? So I would said, yeah, I'd finish five laps at 11.45 or something. Be like, oh, yeah, made the threshold, baby. They didn't have like the laser liar. going on you, the GPS tracker? No, nah, man, teachers, I love teachers, but they didn't care about me running laps that much. I guess, man. That's a confession I have. I, I'm, I'm, I cheated. I was like Jeffrey the butler in Fresh Prince. I didn't take a cab, but I did cheat the system. That seems like a, a, a low-key cheat the system. Because my mine by comparison is going to be like way more nefarious. Okay. I, I cheated on a chemistry test. Ooh. A multiple choice chemistry test. An important one. Okay, so did you receive? Yeah. How did you okay, so you weren't benefiting somebody else. You were receiving the, the cheating answers. aspect. Okay. We yep. we we got someone smart to in their peer their uh, periodic table. Because, like, the yeah, periodic yeah. table is one, two, yeah, three. Yeah. So they would put A, C, D, B. I'm, I feel like I'm giving answers to okay. ways to cheat for kids right now. So You're, you're they, paying it forward. So they had they had it in their periodic table. They gave us their periodic table. And so I took that one into the test. Mm. You're the reason periodic tables are checked now. Anytime before a test. Uh, are they actually? School, yeah. It would oh, be. then oh, I, I'm probably okay, the guy okay. that. There you go. They that's that's probably, are. That's probably on me. My bad, everyone. You Sorry, cheated the system I, I so bad that, that they had to fix the system. But They're you got, like, you got away with it. This this forty nine percent chemistry student suddenly crushed the test. Like, come on. Guys. Okay, I have something. Uh, I was reason, higher than forty nine. The reason I asked about whether you received the answers or you're giving them away right. was because, like, social studies was my subject. I I'm a I love social studies, geography, Big history guy, history, all of that. I'm a geek when it comes to that. To this very day, I was really good at it. One of my friends was not. And this guy was getting like 35% in the class, 40%. I would finish my test, basically take his test, fill it out with a couple of missions of j- getting stuff on wrong on purpose, hand it back to him. And this guy went from being like a 35% student to an 85% student. I confess that today too. Uh, PE teacher here. Cheating on running is a real low, but I've caught so many kids doing it. Not me. Not me. Beat the system. Take that, Mr. Jones. Or they were like, <laughs> he's cheating on running? Okay. <laughs> Are they going to be like, I took steroids and I crushed it? <laughs> like, no. No, and later on, as you get older, you're like, you know what? Running is actually beneficial. But when you're that age and huffing and puffing, and let me repeat, I was rather rotund. You don't want to be running. Uh, this one. Uh, again, these, these are anonymous. We won't read them. That's Point of Confession Fridays. No names. Get it off. I mean, you can text in your we name. We put our names on yeah. it because we have to. Uh, but you can put your name on it, but like, we're, we're not going to read your name. I have called into the Canucks post-game show when they aired the replay overnight and into the morning. And also, I have to send texts to Halford and Bruff replays during the day as well. Okay, I actually like that one because when we walk into work... That's an honest one, yeah. 
I love seeing texts like at 11.45. It cracks me up when I wake up in the morning and I open the text inbox to see like what people are saying. And there's like text from like 4 a.m. when I know the Canucks game replays. Mm. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, this one is a really, really cool one. My close friends and family know my real birthday. My work friends think that think it's a different day. My sports buddies think it is yet another. Why only celebrate once a year? You, sir or madam, are a genius. Well played. Gifts all year long? Let's go. You get the benefit of having a summer birthday and a winter birthday. Yeah. This is like the indoor-outdoor pool conversation yeah. all over again. Do you want a winter three. birthday? Yeah. Okay, that's... Half birthdays are actually very clutch. Like, if you got a winter birthday, yeah, yeah. you can have one in, in the middle of June. That's elite, man. But this guy, How far this would you person, s- a guy or girl, yeah. doesn't mention a name, three. Three different. How far would you spread them out? That's the question. Text back in. Every four months. I would probably do one at the beginning of summer, one at the end of summer, and then one in, like, January. Because there's a theory to, like... Put it close together. January, where you can have an outdoor pool party. Like, hey, how does this I was, guy not get caught? Like, how do you not have any social because media you, or anything? Because you could say, hey, July 2nd is my birthday to one group. And say, July 9th is another day. No, you got to spread it out more than that. But, but you could be like, hey, we're celebrating it after my birthday or something like that. And you could just, like, change the days, but just have multiple parties. No, because you could, you could justifiably say, hey, I'm celebrating my birthday two weeks later. Like, it's got to be right. when it's that close. It's got to be like but to each once group, a quarter. Each group. Would once think- a financial quarter. <laughs> once- the the fiscal calendar has changed over to, to your new birthday. I mean, you can go all summer without buying a drink. That's true. That's true. Uh, we got the t- uh, teacher texting back at me saying, we probably don't care because we don't like you. <laughs> That's valid. That's valid. Uh, I just replaced my car stereo, Confession Fridays here, that I smashed last month, which I confessed to. First thing I played on it was Travis Scott's Highest in the Room. I should have streamed an episode of The People Show and baptized my car stereo with you guys. Am I absolved of my sins? And we appreciate That's that. It's a tough one, but yes, yeah. you are. I mean, I would say I, I think I'm more annoyed that the, the preset wasn't changed. Do that. Preset number one. Absolutely. And download the podcast while you're at it. Yeah, yeah no. Just of, all of those of things. Of course. Um, Snoop the Dog coming in with a future confession. Hey, mention the name. I think he wants to be. A, I think he wants to be in for this one. Oh, okay. I'm the one person who bought the People's Cup with the 2022-2023 champs pre-engraved as Bix Gunners. No, we're not doing that. Hey, Snoop good. Snoop did text in uh, earlier when we were talking about it, uh, saying if Bix somehow loses the bet and wins this league, you got to keep the trophy in this studio. This huge trophy. If that happens, if a trophy shows up and there's my name on it with like the Gunners, I'm going home. Like Eminem, clean out my closet music music video. I'm burying that thing in the backyard. Not even my backyard. I don't even have a backyard. I'm finding a backyard. I like, can see like this video. It's gonna be dark and just, dreary. Russell Wilson no. in the background <laughs> in his indoor pool, looking, looking out, out at Vic. <laughs> yeah, good thing he has an indoor pool. Vic can't find him. No, or he'd lose it and saying this guy's digging an outdoor pool in my backyard. <laughs> Gotta put an end to this. By the way, I was looking at multi million dollar mansions in Denver. He could have done better. Oh, yeah. there was some seven bed, 12 bath places for like half the price that looked probably what? equally as nice. Josh, I feel like you're cheating yourself here either by not being a pool installer or B, not being a realtor. I'd be, uh, 
concerned if I was a Denver Broncos fan right now. So there's bigger places, like bigger square footage and everything? I don't know what their square footage listed. 20,000. It was around twelve. It was a little less, but okay. it was around twenty thousand. I do think the actual like acreage was smaller. Okay, but the house itself was probably better laid out. Would you say, Would you say his current house is not bad for a third home? <laughs> <laughs> but he could have saved money and had an outdoor pool in his third home. Talking about a third home, man. I, I would say privacy is a big one too. Like, did those it ones looked, look a bit remote? It looked private, oh, but okay. also it could be pictures to see. Yeah, that's fair. Although, if you're buying that, you're probably they're probably selling privacy. Yeah, I, I feel like wrong answers only for Josh would be. I'm gonna he's gonna be combing Denver properties, and that's how he's celebrating his unofficial end of the summer. Listen, Russ, if you need a better realtor, I can do it. Uh, Confession Fridays. I cheated on a test in Computer Studies ten. In 2002, I got busted. I had a stack of loose leaf papers. I had out for scrap paper with the answers shuffled into it. I did it with three others doing various techniques. We were notorious for playing video games during class, so we had to. Sitting on the answers was more successful. Didn't rat anyone out so I could use that strategy, not because I was a good guy. Okay. Uh, Yeah, this is a very dark student life that we have. I I guess we're to blame. Starting off with the six-lap test, you with the periodic table. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got this one. School-related yet again. Oh, okay, you're going to read this one? I'm going to read this okay. one. Confession Friday. I was given a key to the music teacher's classroom in high school for practice purposes. Oftentimes, we would do a little more than just practice. I'll leave it there. Woo! <laughs> oh, my goodness. Also, if you're a teacher and you give a kid no, a don't key do it. to like, a room... What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, like... What is the worst classroom to give a kid access to? I would say like, like home ec, right? Although music teachers, like if there's instruments there, are you going to trust kids, teenagers who have probably the the nastiest minds possible around instruments that people put their mouths on? <laughs> no, I'm not doing that, Randy. We didn't need that. You we, asked the question. We I didn't answered need it. it. Home ec is still probably worse. But, but like, I what mean, are you gonna music, music is yeah. close? That's pretty bad, man. What yeah. about like automotive? Do you guys have an automotive uh, class? Yeah, yeah, we I did. did a I went to high school in Chilliwack, so yeah. yes. You had a farming <laughs> class, didn't you? <laughs> pretty Come much. On, man. I love farming. Yeah, everyone just did that at home. So no. okay, got it. Yeah, we had a we had a mechanics class at Clarny. Yeah, like an auto, like woodworking. That's yeah, that, stuff. that one you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to like, give the keys one, to that. You definitely need like supervision in that classroom. I feel like science classes too, though, because some teachers have you know, Bunsen burners. Bunsen burners. They got you know some of the elements. They definitely yeah. have the Bunsen burners for sure. Yeah, I feel like home ec would be a real bad one because that one, I yeah, don't know. like anything where physical damage could be caused. Like no one's doing too much in social studies if you get access to that one. Like oh no, read up on my history. Like that's not going down. <laughs> Learned about what did you do to our map? Learned about our elections. I showed them. I know the rights and freedoms in Canada now. Uh, this one. So we got to read this one before we go on. I think we can read this one because it ends up with a positive ending. Yeah, you're reading a different one than I am because I'm still trying to figure out the legality of the one that was texted earlier. But you go with yours first. Okay. I had a girlfriend who didn't like me drinking. When we would go out 
to eat. I would go to the bar and get shots when she would go to the bathroom. Needless to say, I end up in rehab. At least there's a positive outcome. Yes, we're very happy for you, Texter. Very happy. You, you seem like you are you're in a much better place. Thank you. Thanks well for done. that. Thanks for sharing. This is what confession Thanks Friday for sharing. is about. Absolutely. Right? We we do this, we share this so we can be better off in the future. So what was the one that you're uh the legality of it's it? It's a J.O. Killarney one. Oh, I didn't read that one. Yeah. We're going to read it. I have nothing to do this. It was the year that I was born. Oh, wait. You're going to read that one? I don't know if I should. What do you think? I, I don't think it sets a very good example. Texter who sent in the J.O. Killarney one, we see it. I don't know if I can read that. I think we might get in trouble for that one. I'm going to pass on that one. Yeah. Just because you... Yeah. It really feels like you're you're confessing to something big there. Yes. And we see your statute of limitations. I don't buy that. <laughs> I'm not a lawyer. We need to get Jamie Dodd on the phone. Yeah. It, it, it's not so nefarious, but nevertheless, it's, uh, yeah. Confession Friday. I'm that teacher that gave out the keys. We know exactly what you're up to thanks to the security cameras. Oh, that's gross. That, I don't know if I like that one. That can't be allowed. Yeah. Uh, another one here. We were talking about giving away keys to classrooms. Metalwork or woodwork? Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't want to give out those keys either. The woodwork one is like, that's personal injury. Yes. Metalwork is pretty serious too, though. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, the home act, man, you could start a fire. Yeah. And the, the, the school could get damaged. Like, the woodwork one is like, a student could get hurt, and that's... What would be the funnest? Would it still be PE? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. You get the key to Hands the room down. with all the... Basketballs oh, and yeah. stuff. Bring out the Woo! floor hockey. You can get the good basketballs. Oh man! Launch them threes, which in a much better gym than Russell Wilson's house, his Denver house. With that his key, house? would be would there, yeah the floor hockey, the good the good hockey the sticks, good not with the hockey. messed or, up curves. Or if your school is next to a community center, you would get the keys to the indoor pool, like Killarney. <sighs> There's an indoor pool at Killarney. Well, the community center is right oh, next okay. to Killarney. Yeah, the aquatic center. Yeah, ice rink. Maybe yeah, maybe things. it's an indoor pool because it's used during the winter. I suppose that's a question. Like, do you guys like aquatic centers more or, or, or outdoor pools? I'd rather train for swimming in an aquatic center. Yeah, we ain't training yeah. for swimming. So. If I'm just Russell Wilson might be. <laughs> what's he? What's he doing? Water training—that's a real thing. Yeah, but again, maybe one I'm of his sh- kids. I'm sure Denver, the Broncos' practice facility, likely has a pool for training for leisure. Outdoor pool is better. Okay, we have a agree. Man. Football's a 24-7 sport. He's got to just run in sprints underwater. <laughs> Guys, we've ignored the obvious here. It's Sierra. What does she prefer? Maybe she doesn't want to be out in the sun. Maybe she wants to chill inside. You know what? I don't know. I don't know what she wants. I thought you knew. I, I thought I did too, but you know what? Maybe she just wanted the most expensive house in Denver without looking at the other options that were half the price and better. Okay. Uh, last one here. I like this one. All right. Confession Friday. The year the Canucks played Detroit and Lidstrom scored from center, I was going to the game, but my jersey was in my locker in grade six. My sister drove me to school where I broke in through a window but set the, the alarm off. I failed at my first attempt to get the jersey, so I bailed before the cops showed up. So if you wore the jersey, maybe the whole like butterfly effect? Yeah. Maybe that doesn't happen. Maybe you were the problem. You texter. We're, we're, we're supposed to make people feel better about getting this. No, this no, no. There's a limit to that. Man. You're the problem. There is a limit to that. Dan Cluche got distracted, <laughs> lost it in the black of that person's shirt, which would have been blue. 
if they had uh, been wearing their jersey. The or black of their shirt and the black of their heart. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right, good stuff. 650-650 for another edition of Confession Fridays. Enjoy your long weekends because we'll have another edition next weekend. I'm fired up for that version of it uh, as well. Back with more here on the Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. The Canucks. segment of the people's show on a friday heading into a long weekend hyped you got a lot going on fantasy football draft arsenal man you and other than that i'm chilling yeah, i'm arsenal chilling man you multiple fantasy football drafts this weekend both of those things will dictate my mood i, I for paid the out the for a, a bunch of league fees this morning like a like actual straight up fees or like loser fees no league fees to like okay for this upcoming got season. it got it man that was uh it was rough it's like paying bills man i was like why am i doing this you're not the guy that waits until the end of the season to pay or just not pay no my, my rule is you don't get a draft unless you pay up okay That's a good rule yeah do you have like are you in any keeper leagues a bunch bro. of them bro does your league have loser fees so like the bottom three of the previous year have to pay for like the food and drinks and everything oh no oh we do that so one of my Savage. keeper leagues, it's bad enough that you stink, but the bottom three have to hit a certain number, and they're controlling, they're paying for the food and drinks for tomorrow. No, man, that's just mean. That's that's what we do, man. That, you're you're doing with friends, but you got to be cruel as well. They've already lost. Now you're just pummeling them even Damn more. Damn right, bragging rights. It's harsh. It's harsh. Uh, this hour of the People Show brought to you by Douglas Lake Equipment. Sign up for inventory alerts, and you'll be the first to know when new equipment is available in store at the closest Kubota dealer to the lower mainland, douglaslakeequipment.com. Uh, we'll get to Don't At Me coming up here a little bit earlier than usual because it's the last segment. Uh, we'll do it at about 3.10, 3.15. Uh, you can text in your Don't At Me. you got to take him and hold on to. You want to drop it uninterrupted. We'll read it. Coming up, 650, 650. Fido, back-to-school deals on the latest phones, plans, and much more are now on at Fido. Visit them in store or at fido.ca now. There was a transaction in the NHL today. We'll get to it now. Ryan Murray signs in Edmonton. Just a one-year deal, 800K, 850K, somewhere in that range. Low leverage, gets them another player on their blue line. Uh, which uh, actually was 750k. Sorry. Yep. But you know, a safe signing. You kind of look at their blue line now. The left side makes a little bit more sense, more so that they don't have to elevate certain people. Yeah, Broberg can, you know, play in the the AHL, and he's not ready. I, I think you know, it was kind of the one of the things with him, and even his draft year. It's going to take mm-hmm. some time to build this player out defensively. He ain't ready yet. Ryan Murray slots into the left hand side. And that kind of builds out, so it's Darnell Nurse, who I imagine, look, we saw the, the worst version of Darnell Nurse in the playoffs, right? Like, it was very obvious, not healthy, okay? We'll see a better version, but... Yeah, we can all argue whether he's worth that cap hit, Yeah, but we can all agree he ain't that player in the regular season when he's healthy. No. 
So Darnell Nurse, they bring back uh, Brett Kulak as well. Good and now, now Ryan Murray. And it's like, okay, that's a functional, real left side. We were talking about the Achilles heel, about the teams in the Pacific Division, the, the quote-unquote contenders in the Pacific, of who can qualify for the playoffs through the Pacific Division, those three seeds. Three seeds, and you know, one of the spots was defense. Now Ryan Murray, up and down, but again, a, a, a real just, you're going to get what you're going to get. And this is a low-risk play by the Edmonton Oilers, kind of fits their profile and the price range, and it's a solid move. But what's interesting about this is it's not as if they haven't had a chance to get Ryan Murray. All those years ago, remember when they drafted Neil Yakupov, 2012? Ryan Murray was second overall. And I get the idea of like, hey, you go for the upside guy. Yeah. But it always made more sense for the Oilers because they'd already drafted Hall. They'd already drafted Nuge. It always made more sense for the Oilers to get a D-man. And there were some good D-men in that draft. Ryan Murray, Morgan Riley, Hampus Lindholm, Matt Dumba, all went in that draft. And they went Neil Yakupov, which, again, the upside, but they really needed D-men. Ten years later, Ryan Murray ends up in Edmonton. You know what's crazy about that? Neil Yakupov hasn't been in the league in five years, almost five years. Wow. And he still only played about 80 games less than Ryan Murray in the league. That tells you how unhealthy Ryan Murray is. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they get him eventually, but... Really, both of those picks were kind of a lose-lose. They were. Yeah. He's a third-pairing defenseman, but when Columbus took him as a second overall, they thought he was going to be the guy. They thought he was going to be the franchise defenseman. You're not that guy. He wasn't that guy. So we wanted to do this thing here. And it was the one pick, it was one pick after, okay? So we're putting some stipulations on this. What is a, like, the most popular could have had him at the draft? Canuck move, right? There's some ones that it's like, oh, they should have drafted this guy, and 15 picks later, this guy went. They just saw that potential. That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for immediately after or within two to three picks. What is like the biggest Canuck should have had him at the draft? Okay, I think most people are going to run to their phones right now and be like, Yalevi Kachuk. I think the immediate one is that. And, yeah, it's hard to argue against that based on the way that Yulevi turned out, based on the way that Matthew Kachuk has turned into a first-line winger and among the best at what he does. So it's hard to argue against that one. But the one I'm going to go with... Man, we're really sending people into the long weekend kind of on a downer here. Yeah, we are. We're going to have to change this. Hopefully doing that means a little bit more positive. <laughs> we're doing it. But the one I look at is, and it's, you know, when I was a kid, but just think about this and think about the implications it could have in the NHL. 1990, Canucks had the second overall pick. The draft was at BC Place Stadium. Owen Nolan goes number one to the Quebec Nordique. Number two, the Canucks had a bunch of players they could have gone with. Could have gone with Keith Primo, Mike Ricci, Yarmer Yager, who ends up going number five to the Pittsburgh Penguins. But they ended up going with Peter Nedved instead. And Yager, there was questions about his military service in Czechoslovakia, whether he'd actually play... So there was concerns about that. But the one that I look back and saying, imagine if the Canucks take Yager at two. A, what is that like in 1990 when you've got other players in that era coming up? Trevor Linden, maybe, you know, Burray still pans out with the Canucks. And that's a real thing. Heading Like all of these guys together, potentially. 
And the other one is, what happens in Pittsburgh? Yager's not a part of that team. Like, that's the biggest what-if for me. Yeah, and uh, maybe that's the way we play this. Not necessarily of, hey, what would it mean for Vancouver, but what what has the biggest what-if ramifications across the league, right? And, and that's a great point because well, he went on to win some cups there. I think Mario probably gets his cups anyways, but that's a pretty big what-if. Yager not being in Pittsburgh, more importantly, probably being here. Instead, are we only doing first round? Because I see a couple of second rounders coming in here. But it's got to be within. I think your point about yeah. like a couple of picks got to be. That's quick. really because yeah. Nail Yakupov was first overall. Ryan Murray went second, and now ten years later, he ends up here. Yeah, he ends up there in Edmonton. Okay, we got in the inbox. Yeah, we got. I've I've got to verify some of these, and I see the Michael Grabner instead of Milan Lucic. Mm-hmm. Like Luch was taken in the second round. Grabner was a first round pick. That doesn't count. Like we can't have those. Right? It's got to be reasonable. It's yeah. got to be reasonable. What about one? Uh, it's not as high-end as Yager. I know that's you know a popular one. But remember David Perron? Right after Patrick White. Like, immediately after. That's yeah. a big one. And yeah, Perron just, hurts. like, had a career. And you're not, even in the moment, it's like, this makes so much sense. You needed a center. Perron at the time could, you know, tweener. Be a center. And it was like, Patrick White. Whoa, what just happened here? Yeah, that one, you know, Mike Gillis is not questioned too much in this city because of that era. But that one, huge, huge omission and huge. You had success, but that one definitely stands out. We got another text coming in here as well. Going back to 2014. Taking Jake Furtana instead of William Nylander. It's a popular one we hear, yep. Yep, that's a, that's, we've had a few of those. That's definitely up there. I mean, this is almost like, uh, sorry, 2010. Where it's like, took Cody Hodgson and Tyler Myers was two picks after. And ten years later, Tyler Myers ends up in Vancouver. It's true. A sneaky one. 2013, the Canucks take Shinkarik. And then two picks later, Shea Theodore goes. Oh, that's a heartbreaker. Yeah, some that of these you don't even remember, and they right still there. break your heart because you're just like, man. And every team has them. Like, it's mm-hmm. not unique to the Canucks, but every team has them. But yeah, we're talking about high-end players. High-end players. Again, the Grabner-Lucic one, I know that a lot of people are texting in. Um, but Lucic was a second rounder and I'm trying to remember, cause I feel like the Canucks, uh, had a third rounder, not a second rounder that year. So it's, I, I get it. It's like, oh, they could have drafted Lucic, but like, well, we're talking like 30 picks later here. Okay. Here's one. Uh, and this is in regards to the Jared McCann pick, David Pasternak. Yes. Cause the Canucks had two first round picks that right, year. Right. Yeah. Vertanen was the first one in 2014. Nylander was taken shortly thereafter. And then McCann taken 24th overall. Pasternak was 25, right. 25, David Pasternak. It's a big one. It's a big one. Canucks are not the only team that messed that one up. Everybody around there. So if you're Pittsburgh, you're Colorado, you're St. Louis, you're all thinking that you could have had Pasternak. But Vancouver, literally the t- uh, the pick before he gets taken by the Bruins of all teams. We're really going down the uh, deep end here. That's what we do on the People Show. Setting people off in style. The deep end. I like, I like how you go with the deep end as well with our theme of pools today. Very well done. You see me working. Hope it was an outdoor pool. Well, I, I guess for the deep end. There's the silence at the end of that. Like, come on. Because <laughs> is the deep end reference not towards, like, like endless water or not? There's yeah. a, well, there's a deep end of a pool. Shallow and deep. Yeah, end. I guess. But I guess going off the deep end would be endless yeah. water. Uh, another one that I kind of like. All right. What do you got? Marion Hosa. Because he was after Brad Ferentz, right? Mm, yes. Yeah. Who, by the way, has a book coming out, Marion Hosa. 
I thought you were going to talk about Brad Ferentz. No. I mean, maybe he does. Uh, but uh, Marin Hossa, two picks after, I think, in 97. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that one hurts because player. that's such a complete player. Amongst the most complete players we've ever seen. But also think of the era that you would have fit in. Early 2000s. Another player in that mix there. Can you imagine him playing next to the Sedins? Can you imagine that? Woo. That's the one. Like You get Marion Hossa right before you draft the Sedins? That's massive. All right. What else we got here? Uh, you know... I think we got a lot of them here. You got any others in the Texan box there, Bick? Uh, 650, 650. Uh, yeah, a lot of Jared McCann ones coming in. Uh, this one. Another one. Uh, Vertanen over Ehlers. Yeah, that one hurts. Yeah. from East, yeah. East Van. Uh, Cody Hodgson, Eric Carlson. I feel like Eric Carlson was a bit further away, was he not? I feel like he was 15th overall. I have to look this one up. On yeah, the he was in that range. He was in that Cause, range. Yeah, because Hodgson went 10, and Carlson went 15th. We're, we're looking for tighter. Two uh, to three picks max. Another one, 1993. Canucks take Mike Wilson. Next pick, Saku Koivu. Three, That's a good one. Three picks later, Todd Bertuzzi. Okay. All right, I got one as well. And they're within a couple of picks, but the Canucks actually had, way back in 2002... Had two picks in the second round. Number 49 and number 55. With number 54, the Chicago Blackhawks took Duncan Keith. Like, imagine... There's a what if. There's a what if. When we talk about the impact on an organization and we talk about how things would have been different, can you imagine at pick 49, the Canucks take the, the franchise defenseman that he becomes? Big... We're talking about a different number one defenseman in Canucks mm-hmm. history. Probably the best. And you're talking about taking him away from the Chicago Blackhawks. That's a big what if. It's a they big had two what picks if. before and after. Uh, another one, look, and, and it's a positive one, but like Mike Richards went after Ryan Kessler. So yeah. we, we always think of like the draft picks that didn't work out and who went right after. It's like, oh, look at the big swing. But what if there was like a version of a, a pick that obviously worked out but is there a player that's like, man, this guy was also so good too. All right. We got this one from Raj. And I, I we could probably end on this one. Let's save this for the end because I think we yeah. need a positive note. Yeah. Uh, we're going to – Raj, we see yours from – Raj from Cloverdale. We're going to save that for the end. Uh, 650, 650. Actually, we got to get to Don't At Me. Maybe we'll just read the Raj. All right. Raj from Cloverdale. Just a reminder, Calgary could have drafted Demko, but they chose Gillies. Let's end on a high note. That's right. There you go. That's right. Finish on a make, as they say in uh, pickup basketball. Finish that, on a make. Exactly. Just walk out of the gym after. We're good. Your We're indoor good. gym. Uh, all right. We do it every day. Your takes into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. What do you have to say? Uh, don't at me. Your takes uninterrupted. Don't at me. Text in your submissions to 650 650. Don't at me. I said, what is don't at me. Brought to you by Leasebusters. Get out of your vehicle lease with ease, confidence, and a Leasebusters leasing specialist to guide you through the journey. Go to leasebusters.com to start the process today. Don't at me. Text them in. 650-650. All right, I'll start it off. Yeah. Don't at me. 
This weekend series versus the Rays is a must-win series for the Yankees. Must win. And the reason I say that, they got a six-game lead. They got three games coming up against the Rays. They're a team that is lacking confidence, the Yankees are. And if you lose the series, lead goes down to probably four games, if not three. We're talking about an actual race. Real tight. If you end up winning the series, you're looking at the lead being up to eight. This is a huge series. And you play the Rays in about a week's time, about 10 days' time from now as well. So this series, if they want to close the book on the AL East and say, yeah, this is not a race, we've won it, they have to win. They have to take two out of three from Tampa Bay. Don't at me. Not including Christmas. This is the best long weekend in the in, in the whole calendar. Okay, I, I guess yeah, Christmas is a long weekend. But well, who, well just because Christmas is like you get so many days off yeah, around there, anyways. Though, right? I, I, just counting like days off. This is the best long weekend. Even better than Canada Day, like in the heat of summer. Well, you said it there. Isn't it kind of sad though? In the summer's heat. over. No, but I'm not a summer guy, so this okay. is the best one. This is the best one. No, I think Canada there, Day is up. There. there are individual days, like Canada Day Day is better than Labor Day. But I'm saying, as far as weekends, this means summer's over. I'm, I'm thrilled. But yeah, to, to Ben's thrilled. point, it's kind of depressing because you're Sports like, oh man, season is back. You baby. know the meme? Remember the remember the meme of like checking your papers on a Friday and then collecting them on a Monday, and you're all depressed. Yeah. That's what Labor Day is because you're like, ah, yes. You know what we're gonna do on Tuesday? Start previewing week one kickoff, Rams-Bills. Are you kidding me? Hyped. Power ranks, big six coming back next week you know what after else, the long weekend. You know what else is around the corner? Rain. Dark days. Seems like a you problem. I'm, I don't mind the rain. I don't I mind the snow, know. man. I like dark days, too. We you out here. You got to move to Denver and get one of the We just spent 15 minutes of sun. We, we just. I don't yeah. buy that. I don't know where Danny got that from. No, I got to look that up. I, I think that's true. Really? I, I, I think that, that rocky stretch there, because Calgary gets tons of sun as well, right? Yeah, I, I, I think Calgary is literally like Canada's most sunshine city. Okay. It is. But it that, is. Yeah, it is. That's that's like, I'd rather have the 300 days of sunshine in San Diego than Denver. Than 100%. In that case. Yeah. In that case. But False I'm pretty ad- sure. False advertising. Come on now. I'm pretty sure that's a thing. You don't want to spend it poolside in Denver? No. I'm good. I'm Unless good. it's an indoor pool. But yeah, sports season. Back. Can't wait. Uh, don't at me for Marcus and Gibsons. All that bad draft karma was reversed when Detroit took Zadina and gifted us Quinn Hughes. Ending on a high note. Look at that. Ending on a high note. See, that's what we should have done. What were the best draft gifts provided by other teams? That's what we should have done. Marcus and Gibsons. Glass half full kind of citizen of the people show. All right. We've got uh, some other predictions coming in as well. Oh, you're going to read this one? I'm going to read this one. I, yeah, I, baby. I, Anthony and White Rock, don't at me. Man you will beat the Gunners 3-1 this weekend. He texted it in twice. Let's read it twice. Anthony and White Rock, don't at me. Man United will beat the Gunners 3-1. Be massive. Not buying it. Just I can't at you. Massive. I can't at you, but the team will on, on the weekend. End the invincible season. Six matches in. But still, they're undefeated. 100% record. Ending it. ETH, my guy, the master, Eric Ten Hag. Uh, Jeff and East Hill, don't at me. Shout out to Bick. That Russell Wilson's crapper to bedroom ratio was amazing. Made me smile. <laughs> uh, 650-650 coming in with the thoughts as well. We got this one. Whoa! What's going on? What's going on? Hey, we actually 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 have to hit breaking news. 
No. Actually? Yeah, real breaking news. Breaking news. Holy. Just saw it. Right at the end of the show. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, JT Miller News. Real JT Miller News. Actually, we are not lying. The moment is happening now. The Vancouver Canucks have announced terms with center JT Miller on a seven-year contract worth a total of $56 million. Official from the Vancouver Canucks. Just got word of it myself. That is official. JT Miller is staying in Vancouver for seven years, $56 million. What a banner day for the Miller family. This is not a booth tweet. This is an actual Vancouver Canucks. There's been text sent as well. All of that. From at Canucks. Yes. From the Vancouver Canucks. Seven years, $56 million. So the question of would he get $50 million? You're damn right he did. So it's $8 million per. Eight per. $56 million total dollars. So the Canucks have signed him through his age 37 year. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Seven-year deal. Man, it's real now. If, if you wanted to, we talk about this a lot. The J.T. Miller move will signal the direction of the team. This is the direction. This is the group. It's going to have to happen with with this group now. And this is all about playoffs and victories. Not working backwards, rebuilding, replenishing. This is the group they want to go with. And I think another headline here, Randeep, this is the group J.T. Miller wanted to be part of. Yep. This is and, and we've talked about this. If this is going to come to some situation where you want a big payday, he was going to have to force, not force, but like I want it here. It's like if you really want it out, then ask out. But this is not that. This is JT Miller saying, this is the spot I want to be. For the next eight years, this is where I want to be. $56 million for JT Miller. That's a huge point here because there's always a question of, hey, underlying, maybe JT wants to go back to the States. Huge commitment from the player, huge commitment from the organization, and now you've got him making $8 million after next year. You're going to have Elias Pettersson at seven point three. You're going to have Quinn Hughes at seven point eight five, Oliver ekman Larson at $7.26. It's a lot of money tied up long-term, in addition to Tyler Myers for another year after next year. The one deal that hasn't happened yet, now we move on to the Bo Horvat contract. Does it happen? At what number does it happen? This is a conversation that we talked about in the past where if there was a deal that was going to happen and was going to be very easier to get done, let's put it that way, it would have been the bow one. Hasn't been done. Does it follow? And if it does, at what number does it follow? That's going to be a, a huge question for the Vancouver Canucks here. But there you have it. The moment that everybody's been waiting for pretty much all summer, clarity on the JT Miller situation. Would it be a trade? Would it be an extension? The answer, we've received it. The Vancouver Canucks signed JT Miller to a seven-year deal worth $56 million. So we were going to go to break. Uh, we're not doing that anymore. We're, we're sticking nope. around. This is breaking news. We'll hang out with you uh, for a bit here in this afternoon. Uh, immediate reaction. Like, do you like this move? For me, it was always about, I didn't want to go backwards. I wanted to see competition. I wanted to see that competitive mindset come through and say, hey, look, if you guys have to make it work, it's on you guys. 
And I think there's talent here. Like, I do think, like, Elias Patterson, we talked about it, Queen Hughes, Thatcher Demko, those are your pillars. And now let's start pushing forwards. I, I don't want to see age 25 Pedersen, and we're still wondering, like, oh, what's he going to look like in the playoffs, even though we've, we've kind of seen it. Let's get, let's get these guys in the playoffs more often. This is, this is the group. This is the, the timeline that you want to see these guys perform in premium spots. And how do you do it? You make investments into guys who can put up 99 points. It's a big deal. It, it is a big contract. I get it. But for me, this is always about pushing towards the playoffs and having success now. I was of the opinion that, hey, I don't like that contract as it ages. We don't have the exact details on what this contract's going to look like. We don't know about signing bonus. We don't know about on the back end what it looks like. I still stand by my thoughts of when a player hits a certain age, you expect that dropout, you know, drop off. And Jim Rutherford mentioned that as well. In a six-year deal, you expect the three, four years to be really good. You expect the, you know, final three probably not to be great. But at first glance, you look at the number, he got his money. And there was a conversation of, hey, if he hits free market, can he push that number higher? Can he push it to eight and a half? Can he push to maybe nine mil? Well, in order to not get to free agency UFA status, you you essentially also, you know, you've pushed that and say, I'm not taking that. I'm not hitting the free market. I'm okay with that number. And they hit it. So this is a, this is a big move because even seeing the reaction across the league now, this does reset what other teams are going to maybe try to do in a year, right? We were talking about if a 99-point player hits the market, you ante up. You take out the checkbook. He ain't doing that now. He got his in Vancouver. Big, big move. A lot of reaction coming right now into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. It's all caps reaction right now in the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Like, Miller! Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. People are loving the move right now, and this is an interesting reaction because I think there's a faction that was very much, hey, got to rebuild, got to rebuild. You got to utilize this asset to start replenishing the overall capital in the organization, and yeah, valid points. And and that was why I wanted to see, like, choose a direction because both yep. sides have merit. Yep. Just because I have a preference to one doesn't mean the other side is wrong. But for me, it's now you've chosen an overall direction of the franchise. And everything has to be modeled under that idea. Even if you want them to rebuild, guess what? It's not happening anymore. So that conversation to me is dead. Yeah. They've, they've just committed $56 million to one of their star players. The entire offseason was leading to this point of a decision. We Remember we talked about what move will tell us about the future direction of this team? We now know. It's go time. You don't sign a player to an $8 million deal for seven years. Unless you're ready to go. If the rebuild was coming, you make that move and you make that trade. Now it's about maximizing Elias Pettersson on that bridge deal. It's about maximizing what you have in Quinn Hughes. Maximizing what you have in Thatcher Demko as well. This is a value contract for one of the best goalies in the NHL. So they've made their move. Whether we agree with it or not, it doesn't matter anymore. JT Miller, the first, I would say, and we get this text, seven years for $8 million, The contract isn't going to age well. We will hopefully get only four or five years uh, of good years, hopefully, on this deal. Yeah, that's the aim, but that tells you in the next four, I'd say four years, it's go time. You have to push all in, especially when you have value on Patterson and Demko. Now, you've heard me focus a lot on total money before as well. As far as setting precedence within the organization, as far as your overall cap structure, $8 million per year comes in a hair above Quinn Hughes. So... 
is that low enough when we look at this next big contract of Elias Patterson to say, okay, look, JT's got eight. Can we keep you under 10 kind of thing? How high does that number start to go up? Yeah, and that will be, a lot of that's going to be dependent on Elias Pettersson, right? If he takes that step in terms of that those raw numbers and he's able to stay healthy and give us, you know, this city a, a, a lot of, you know, production for that number, then Vic, yeah, you can try all you want to keep that number below 10, but part of this is going to, two things. Well, part of it is Elias Pettersson has to rise to a level now. And the other thing is also, the cap will also go yes. up. That, that is something important here. JT Miller's deal goes with this current setup. When Elias Pettersson signs this deal, that number, that number is expected to go up where, you know, that percentage of the cap won't be the same. The cap is supposed to go up. So I think you're hoping that this can create a bit of a a control when you're talking about Elias Pettersson's next contract, but a lot of that based on the cap situation and what that means in the next couple of years in terms of revenues and B, if Elias Pettersson takes that step, you can try all you want. It's going to be hard to keep that number down. 650-650, uh, th- there's a lot of, well, they paid Miller, and now what does that mean for Bo? Look, the assumption has always been that there's a deal to be had with Bo Horvat, and they have talked all these players up. They're, they're star players they have talked up. They, when they've talked about change, it has been on the back end or on the lower part of the roster. And some of the inefficient money that they wanted to move out and cap cushions and creating that, it has not been about JT Miller or Bo Horvat at all. They, Jim Rutherford on these airwaves has talked about Bo Horvat's contribution. He's, he's jumped on podcasts as well and talked about, hey, this is a guy that we really like. So we'll see what that ultimately means, but I imagine this is part of the entire plan to say we have something that we think we can make work. But we always assumed that like the Horvat one would be quick to resolve, and yep. then you make the JT one work thereafter. But the JT one comes first. The JT one comes first, which was up as of a couple of weeks ago when he was on the podcast with John Scott. What did we hear? Haven't heard, talked since the draft. Mm-hmm. So it moved pretty quickly here. We're cracking jokes about hey Patrick Alvin and vacation. Yeah, clearly getting that work done. Now the question I do have when you're building out this team, and I understand there's going to be risks with giving players in their late 20s money. But when you're building out this team, the center of the team, the spine of the team is so important. Mm -hmm. The center depth, if you're building a cup contender, you got to have that strong spine. And we talked about this on yesterday's show on the podcast, hit it up, just about being in a position where you do have three strong centers and you can mix and match. Kind of that St. Louis model. I think that's going to be pretty important here. So... There will be questions about Bo Horvat. Is this deal coming? Is there a trade coming? Is there, do you let him walk? Do you play the, you know, a, a tough negotiation? But Bick, I think when you're building out that team, you need to make sure you have an answer at that, th- that third line, as we want to call it in quotation mm-hmm. marks. That role is really important on, on teams that Rutherford himself has built. Go back to the Carolina teams. They were deep at the center position. And Pittsburgh, we know what happened there. And and talk about the timing here too as well, Randy, because it's it's right before training camp, right? We're getting ready, as I said, after Labor Day into September, you see it on the calendar and you see, okay, Canucks training camp coming up pretty soon, 20 days away. Things will really start to fire up. And for, for a lot of us here, we've talked about, hey, training camp to me is the day. Training camp is the moment when you see, is this the end of this saga? 
And here we are, September 2nd. Now we're at the end of the saga. JT Miller, you're just tuning in, signing in for a seven-year, $56 million extension. Kicks in, obviously, next year. Takes him to age 37 with your Vancouver Canucks. And for me, this was always about the best offer, the best opportunity for the Canucks if they wanted to sign JT Miller was pushing up against this kind of deadline prior to training camp. And I understand that there was ideas of people think, oh, he's going to go eight years, nine plus million dollars. Always felt a bit rich to me if someone else was going to give him that money. Because for me, it's always make him say no to your best offer. And $56 million is a lot of money to say no to. And I just... Are we surprised that... Because we were talking about 45. I, I thought maybe 49 was probably the mark I thought. Yeah. Which over, I, I thought maybe six years, $49 million. Yeah. So you, you you add a year. JT probably wanted eight years. Kanash probably wanted six years. You accommodate a little bit there. Lands but, in the middle. But the Nazem Kadri deal, that one to me was the big... Mm-hmm. Okay, this guy gets seven by seven. Older player... You're using that as a precedent. Mm-hmm. And the 56 number was something that, yeah, that, I was pretty wary in the term of the deal anyways to begin with. But if you're an agent, and we talked about this at the time, if you see that deal for an older player that doesn't create as much offense, he's got his own characteristics and they're damn good too. But once you see that number pop up, you're saying, all right, starting point, and it's going to go north of there. And This number does not surprise me. I'm just surprised that the Canucks actually hit it. Yeah, if I'm an agent, I'm asking for that. The Canucks signing that is a is a a bit of an eye opener to me because I didn't think they'd go to that number. Well, well we look at the, the the contract that we've talked so much about is Mika Zibanejad, sixty eight over eight, and this is below that. And for me, like the the two that I referenced a lot when we've talked about it, and you can go back on the pods on the People Show, Alfred and Broff, Canucks Central, Canucks Hour, whichever pod you listen to. But the one that I've always referenced is kind of Logan Couture. And I felt like that 64 over 8 yeah. at that age range, right? It's it's tough for age 30 players to get that big contract, unless they're legacy players. Nick Backstrom was a legacy player for Washington, obviously. He got uh, paid in a deal that kicked in at 33. But we just don't see age 30 players really get huge deals. JT's kind of breaking the mold here because one of the last ones was Logan, T- Logan Couture at about the same price range, 64 over 8, kicks in when he turns 30. Uh, James Van Riemdyk signed a deal at age 29. That one w- was much cheaper. And I thought... Didn't age well as well. No, but I thought no. the, the that range to me made the most sense. In between those two guys. And we land here at 7 over 56 for JT Miller. $8 million a year. Uh, much less than the Mika Zvinajad number. And a little bit less than that Logan Couture number. Total money. But at $8 million. The, the visions of... 8 and 8, or 8.5 over 8, didn't really manifest uh, for a lot of the worries came in at $56 million. Yeah, and, you know, with this, we often talk about the dominoes that fall, right? Hearing JT a couple of weeks ago talking on the podcast with John Scott, negotiations, talks happen, but there's one thing that he kept on mentioning, that, hey, they have a certain way that they, they think about the team, or they have a certain process or philosophy. What changed in that time? And I, I'm curious to know that because it feels like the Cadre deal was the one that changed it on all sides. Sure. Where maybe the Canucks had something in mind, a number in mind, and when that number or, came in... Or maybe the Miller camp had something in mind and that number came lower than the Yeah, thought. maybe it came lower, right? It could. 
but I, I do, I look at that sequence of events and I do wonder what that domino was. It feels like Kadri was definitely that it. For sure. And I think, like I think around the league, and I know on, on the 32 Thoughts podcast, uh, Elliot and Jeff kind of referenced that, the idea of there's a lot of players that were waiting for some business, and we've seen some moves uh, start to come in. Obviously, Tage Thompson, another one that happened uh, last week. Now, different age ranges, different uh, free agent status, and different destinations as well. But the Kadri one happens, it's one of the marquee free agents. And that's why it was so puzzling, Randy, throughout the course of the first couple of weeks is, well, this deal isn't signed yet. And I jumped on air for a couple of shows, and I think, all right, hopefully today we get the Kadri one, but it deep into August, it finally happened. And it's, it's that constant look at precedence, and that's why we spend so much time like, okay, what did this guy get, and what did this guy get, because what is it going to mean for your team when they have to sign someone, and the sequencing of what how this player gets valued across the league, and the opportunity for a free agent, an unrestricted free agent, and a guy who's got one year left on his deal. It's just the sequencing of it. And for JT, hey, you cashed in on your big year. Yeah. You you didn't want to go into the risk of going into this year. Maybe my role changes a little bit. Maybe I get hurt. Whatever it is, you said, hey, I have to sign this deal now because my value is probably never going to be as high as it is right now. And, by the way, like another big thing that we've talked about, I'm valued here. Yep. This organization... Plucked me out of a situation. Obviously, a great team. He was a depth piece in Tampa, though. He was a depth piece. And now he gets put as a centerpiece player in this organization and has done nothing but produce since arriving and has lived up to a very pricey price tag to go and acquire him. But he has lived up to it and surpassed it as well. And if he went to a new destination, that reality may have changed. He may have been another depth piece. Yeah. Or at the very least, it would have been at a you know a different position in a build, right? Where you're saying team's got a lot of cap space, but are you starting all over again? And the big question in Vancouver will be this: Is this team legit? That still hasn't mm-hmm. been answered because we're getting a lot of texts saying, "Hey, how much does this team really change from once Jim Benning took over?" Or you know, took essentially you know he he left um, left the team. How much has actually changed? There has been changes, but I do. It does tell us one thing. It's go time for the Vancouver Canucks. And in the big scheme of things, yeah, now JT Miller has to back it up. 99-point season. He's getting paid 56 mil. He's going to have to continue to be the leader on this team. But all those questions of what happens with JT Miller, they're gone. Because he's in Vancouver for the long term. Seven years, $8 million a season, $56 million total money for JT Miller staying in Vancouver. Officially official, Vic Nazar and Randy. Jandy, you know it's big news when it brings uh, people out of their holidays. Joining us now from Canuck Central here on Sportsnet 650, Satyar Shah. Sat, what's going on? Uh, not much, guys. I'm just hanging out, my, enjoying my vacation. Well, why did you guys call? You guys want to just chat? <laughs> check-in, doing a check-in to we're see in, how Sat's doing? We're in chaos mode, baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was I was having lunch. You got to love a Friday uh, news dump, right? Like sat, Right as we were about to get off here. Sat, no joke. We were 90 no. seconds away from signing off on the show. <laughs> I know. No joke. I saw. I saw. You, you know, uh, C-Mac made sure to get that in, right? <laughs> like, it's like, you know what? We could probably announce this at 2 o'clock, but we'll get this in right at 3.25. On a long weekend, Randy. no less. Yeah, exactly. He knows what's up. He knows but, who to screw, but right? But a Positive Friday news yeah. dump. Honestly, it's uh, my initial reaction was one of relief, not because you know the contract is great or they shouldn't have signed it or whatever it was. 
We don't have to talk about JT Miller getting traded anymore. I was dreading coming back on Tuesday, guys. And it's like, I haven't bugged... I, and the funny thing was, I haven't bugged people about the JT Miller thing over this past week. Because when I came back for a couple of weeks, every few days, I was calling and checking in and stuff like that. And the last thing I heard was, the Canucks don't want to sign him. They'll take a run at it closer to training camp. And now we're at September. And, you know, they would do the Cadre deal, which was 7 times 7 I thought, okay, they would be willing to do something like that. And maybe that spurs some discussion. That's kind of where I left things. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll check with some guys on the weekend before I go back to work, but hey, status quo on the JT Miller thing. But no, the Canucks just signed him to a seven-year contract. Now, I will say that from what I can gather just in a few moments in between when we heard the news and until I just jumped on air with you guys, that the Cadre deal was at least some sort of a discussion point launching off point because I think one thing was very clear the Canucks were in a different realm than JT Miller was from his demands and what the team was offering and once I think they kind of wrapped their heads around 50 some million can we talk about that there was some ground being made you know the Canucks moved up from where they had been which was in the 40s of course to get to the 50s and JT Miller came down from the 60s and I will say though guys I am surprised the Canucks ultimately went eight times seven I thought that you know they would kind of go at six years maybe 50 million would be the real hard line in the sand so they went about five or six million above what I thought they would do yeah this is what compromise looks like right yeah I'm with you on that side. A couple of weeks ago when we were talking about it, we were still kind of thinking about, okay, what's that number? If they do get into the 50s, probably low. That Hey, they went past 55 on this. Now, $8 million, what does this mean, essentially? Is this setting a bit of an internal cap for, for the, you know, because right now, you know how this works, right? I know a lot of people are thinking Bo Horvat, but some of us are also thinking Elias Pettersson. What does this mean a year down the road? Because this is the guy that puts up the points. He's getting 8 mil. What does this mean for the future? Well, and, and I think that that's a big question. I think that's a very fair question to ask because you start looking at the cap situation now beyond the season, and this is assuming they eventually get a contract done with Bo Horvat once and if and when they get a Horvat deal done. And there's a whole conversation now to be had about the Horvat situation. I'm not saying we're just taking the JT Miller trade speculation and just moving on to Bo Horvat until he gets signed, but I think it does pose a lot of interesting questions. But if you assume Bo will ultimately get done, which is something the team has been very public in expressing, and anytime you talk to Bo's camp, that's something they express as well, but it's been super quiet. And it's still pretty quiet on that end, and we'll see where, where that goes. But if you bring Bo back you really don't have any flexibility on the roster. You might have enough space to maybe sign uh, Kuzmenko to a contract worth $4 million next season if he's a bit better. Maybe give a couple guys a little bit who are RFAs or whatever. But essentially, you're committed to this roster. If you sign Bo Horvat as well, this is a roster you have. So the question you have to ask more than anything is, unless you do something else, is this team going to be good enough over the next couple of years? And that's going to be, you know, when we talk about the player that they do have in the lineup, you know, he's a damn good player, 99-point player. Uh, but I'm seeing those texts, I'm seeing those tweets saying, this this is a win-now move, which is great for a lot of fans, but others are saying, hey, they don't have the depth, so why are you trying to be a contender right now when, when you don't have the depth? Is that a fair concern? I mean, I think it is fair to say, because, I mean, this team is capped out, right? Next season as well, you're committed to the same roster. It's fair to ask the question. Now, I do think that once you get into next season, there are other possibilities that will open up. And we talked a lot about guys like Tanner Pearson, guys like Tyler Myers. What can you do with their contracts? Because if you're able to 
push through this season, get to next offseason, when you're a year away, and once the Myers bonus gets paid out, if you're able to move that money off or most of that money, you're able to make something happen with Tanner Pearson, maybe you find something with Dickinson, if you're able to shift around about 5 or $6 million off that back end next year, well, then maybe you can live in a world where you are bringing back your forwards and you have enough cap space carved out all of a sudden for you to add one more difference-making defenseman. But ultimately, what they're going to have to do at some point here is pull a rabbit out of a hat on the back end. That is really what it looks like at some point. Is it going to be you know, a guy exploding through the ranks that they've drafted or that's developing in their system currently that kind of comes out of nowhere? Is it a trade they make where a young defenseman comes in and really it becomes a mainstay on the right side for this team? What they have to do now is start threading the needle. And they have to thread the needle and find the right defenseman that can fit the right side specifically long-term to give them a chance to be a contender. But I do think, as it stands, their roster is going to be competitive. But are you a team that is still one or two tiers away from really contending? And I think that is a fair question to ask. But I heard you guys talking, uh, and I know, Bick, you were kind of mentioning... What this means is this team is trying to win. And if this team is trying to win, then every single move that's going to happen from this point on is going to be about how do we make this team a contender in, a, in the next one or two years. And if you have Demko for four more years, and you might have to push through this year, this team is going to have to make some tough decisions, tougher decisions that they've made so far at some point, and that's going to have to come by next season. Vic Nazar, Randy Bjanda, you heard from Satyar Shagan on his holiday Coming in on a Friday evening, afternoon. Why not welcome in the other guy from Canuck Central? I was on holiday. Dan Riccio. What's going on, buddy? I don't even know if I still remember how to do this. <laughs> Aren't you, like, sleepy right now? Aren't you jet lagged? I, I, I feel like I've been gone for months. Uh, it's It's been a while. Don't but... worry. You, you can forget about JT Miller trade conversation. Yes. That's done. That's the first thing I said to uh, to our fearless leader, Canberra. Like, no more JT Miller trade talk. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> Let's now, go. Now we talk about... Seven years, $56 million. Uh, your initial reaction, does it make sense? It gets you a lot of pizza and pasta in Italy. <laughs> Maybe some nice Italian gold, you know. A lot of spros, some good croissants with some apricot jam inside. I'm not talking about the last couple of weeks yeah. at all. Uh, this is... Look, in the context of the contract, it's fine. JT Miller is 12th in league scoring over the last three years. He's been an awesome player for them. Of course, you're going to have some long-term concerns about giving a guy a seven-year deal when he's about to turn 30 years old next year. Everybody has those. It's really just my initial fear going into this summer. And, Sat, we talked about this a ton. Are they going to run this thing back? And they're they're running it back. Looks like it, yeah. And, and that's, in the grand scheme of things, that is what I can't really get my head around. Uh, Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin came in here and basically said this team's not good enough, and yet they're, they've are they just committed to, to this team. But what do you do with 99 With players? adding like, a couple of players to it. Like, that's my thing. Like, this is a massively point-producing player. Yes. And if, if we've talked about this, like, is this guy a franchise player regarded across the league that people are willing to give up multiple premium assets for. No, he's not. And if that never materialized, like you can't just let him walk. Yeah. So like what are you supposed to do in this scenario? It, it's it's a rock and a hard place. I get that. But that doesn't mean you just negate your responsibility in making a decision. And the, the decision to me is not, well let's lower our asking price and let's take on non premium assets and we'll see if these guys might hit. No, I'd rather just bet on the guy who scores ninety nine points rather than hoping some guy might get 60 points. Well, this is where the real work comes in after now, because now you're going to have to add that depth. Now you're going to have to... 
find answers on defense. Mm-hmm. If this is go time, well, you got to find your John Marino, your Justin Schultz, mm-hmm. or, you know, your uh, Brian Dumoulin, you know, Marcus like the, Patterson, the, the, the sure. guys that that Jim Rutherford pulled the cat out of the hat and you know turned into players or got some decent stretches out of them that allowed the the, the Penguins to overcome some some of their deficiencies on the back end. But the Canucks don't have that, and I don't see the prospects of where they're going to get that from. Sat? Oh, did we lose that? Then we lost that. But, hey, and that's where you start, you know, when you extend somebody till the age of 37. Who who knows what that back end of that deal is going to look My like? God, he's going to be 37 at the end of the contract? 37. Yeah. That's scary, right? I like JT Miller as a player, but my concerns are still the ones that I had a couple of months ago where you sign this deal – the problem is they, they've done it again. You know, they talked about the future. They talked about how this is going to take a couple of years. It's going to be a slow play. That's what Jim Rutherford was saying from the beginning. That's what Patrick Alvin yep. made it seem like he was talking about from the beginning. And now it's not a slow play. <laughs> we've been, we've been fed a bunch of lies again is what it feels like from this franchise and from those that are leading it. It's, look, Again, it's not a critique of the player because we all love JT Miller and everything that he's brought to this team. It's just hard to believe in what they're building. And I, you know, I heard what Sat was saying there, and it's yeah, you know, if they're able to move Myers, if they're able to move Pearson, like that's what we were saying during the Benning era too. You know, well, if yeah. they're if they're able to move Beagle, if they're able to to move. Uh, you know, Brandon Sutter's contract somehow, then then they'll open up some space and be able to add some things. Guess what? <laughs> they were never able to do that. And it seemed as though they might have been able to move Myers. They might have been able to move some guys earlier this summer. It never materialized. It's just, it seems like we're watching, you know, the fourth edition of the same movie over and over again. Well, the one thing I will say, I mean, hey, it's all fair observations because you look at it, you see the correlation, you see the similarities with what happened before, but the reality is these guys didn't sign Tyler Myers. These guys didn't sign Tanner Pearson. These guys aren't beholden to those players, and their judgment isn't going to be to go sign other JB goals and go and spend the money on the next Tucker Pullman and doing those sort of things. At least that does not seem to be the MO and what they're doing. And one thing they, that, that I believe they're looking at this year as is trying to get through this year to see if you can find other ways to clear this money out. Because to what Bick mentioned before, if you if you're not getting a great return on JT Miller and you look at it and you say okay we get rid of this player and we're now going to have to replace him plus we still have to find a player on our back end well how do you find a point producing big time forward up front well either you draft one high either you give up a ton in trade or you sign a guy to a massive contract in free agency well you have the guy on your team. Are you able to get him to a contract you can live with? They feel like they can live with it. I understand the trepidation over giving him a seven-year contract, the AAV being $8 million per season. I understand that you know frustration and that being a scary number for them. But it's probably a number they feel like they can live with. And also, you can still find another way to improve your defense as another year goes by. And you can't hold it against them. Like They're not the ones who signed Tanner Pearson. They didn't trade for Brandon Sutter, right? I mean, they didn't sell you the song and dance on a quick rebuild and miss the playoffs four years in a row. And I understand some moves are similar and, and they conflate. But you can't hold them responsible and be frustrated with them for things they never did before, right? So, so I do think... There has to be some time to see if they can address this blue line. But the reality is you weren't getting the defenseman you wanted in a JT Miller trade. So even if you don't keep JT Miller, guess what, guys? They're going to have to find a defenseman one way or another, either in free agency and opening up cast space in doing that or finding a diamond in a rough some way, one way or another. Just about two minutes before we go, Randy. Yeah, I think one issue that you're going to have to see going forward here is that 
I see that Thatcher Demko contract as the window. So you're looking at 2026. Can you write and find those defensemen in that window? That's really key because you got this guy before he turns UFA at a sweetheart contract. How do you maximize that? That that's going to be the key here. So you got runaway, and Sat, you're right. These mistakes aren't theirs, but it is go time in the next year. This is a team that needs to win now. Well, to your point, Dan, next like, couple years, where is all these pieces that the future is going to come from? Right. I think a lesson the way that applies in all pro sports is you find stars, you hold on to them in grim depth, and you figure out the depth later. I know JT we, Miller's we, not a star to anybody else. But hang on, like. we, we, he's put up star level production. Is yep. what I'm saying. Okay. I know we talked about hey committing to this roster and the winning now. We talked about Pearson and 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 Myers. What about like Brock? What about Garland? What about some of the depth pieces that are functional second line, first line players? But yeah. Can you manufacture the overall assets that you want through that level, which are real players? across the NHL that are going to have value, that have cost control as well at decent numbers. Is that a way to engineer all this depth that you want to see? It's going to be, it's going to have to be one of those guys because, look, it, I, I can really get behind moving forward with this core if you don't have any bad contracts on your books. But, you know, as long as OEL is around and, and Myers and those contracts, it's really hard to see where the money is going to open up from. And you still have Horvat, you still have Pedersen in the next couple of years. All right, we'll let you guys stick around. Dan Riccio, Satya Shaw, will carry you through to the evening for a fun edition of Canuck Central. Elliot Friedman will join him on the other side, coming up in about five minutes as well on a historic day for the Vancouver Canucks, one of the largest contracts in franchise history. J.T. Miller signing a seven-year, $56 million deal $8 million per season to remain in Vancouver. Contract kicks in next season. It's all coming up here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Knock, knock. Hey, 